It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. And we got a good show for you today. We are going to be doing the review show for the UFC Fight Night Woodley versus Burns, which took place on May 30th at the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. It was the first fight back in, in Vegas uh, for quite some time after we had that uh, stretch of three fights down in Jacksonville. Uh, and we're going to get some housekeeping stuff right off right off the, the docket here. Um, so first of all, North Star Sports has a website now. So you can follow North Star Sports not only on Twitter, and not only I guess technically on Facebook. We're working on the we're working on the social media stuff here, but you can follow our website at NorthStarSports.media. That's NorthStarSports.media. Uh, so we got the we got the review show today, uh, Wednesday. Depending on when you're listening to this, Wednesday, June third, uh, we're going to have the preview show for UFC 250, and then on Thursday, uh, June 4th, we're going to we're gonna start off a fun, I want to say 10-part series, we'll, we'll figure it out, but we're going to start off a, a fun series here, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a fun evergreen topic given the, you know, the, uh, the pandemic uh, and uh, the lack of sports content, uh, not, not as big of a problem here in the uh, UFC MMA community, but um, we're going to be doing some evergreen content and, you know, a lot of people, uh, we, we had the show on WRFW where we did the, uh, top NFL players for the hundredth season. And it was crazy. You know, some of the guys that were getting put on this list, you know, guys who played in the 1930s who were offensive linemen who were five foot six and they're put on these all time lists. And, you know, so we did our own actual all time list of the, of the true, the true top players of all time. And we're going to do that for uh, MMA. We're going to do that. We're going to do the Mount Rushmore for uh, each division. So from heavyweight down to bantamweight. I mean, maybe we'll do men's flyweight if we're really bored, but probably not. So heavyweight through through bantamweight uh, is pretty safe. We'll do women's bantamweight and maybe women's strawweight, but honestly, probably not because a lot of those are, are really shallow and couldn't really put together a Mount Rushmore. But uh so for so it's it's a, it's a maybe on men's flyweight and a for sure on women's bantamweight, but we're going to be going through each division and naming our f- the, the four greatest fighters to fight in that division all time. And I understand it's a little cliche, you know, the Mount Rushmore. That's that's not a hot sports take. That's not a unique talking point. But the thing is, so many people get it wrong. So I feel like I have to go out there and do it because, you know, you'll have so many people who just put. Even in even in the very smart MMA community, and you got to give that to, to fans of the UFC and, and fans of MMA. Obviously, you got some of the the casuals, but you know you got some of these filthy casuals. But you have a lot of people who know what's up. So, in in my experience, I've found that just on Twitter and and you know social media platforms, generally, generally, uh, maybe because it's a it's a niche sport, a niche sport, I guess, depending on uh, where you live in the country, but. Um, you know, fans are generally well informed, so you don't see as many 
crackpot takes uh, with with uh, uh, the MMA community when it comes to the all-time greats. But, you know, sometimes I see a couple of fighters up there that are they're in these all-time lists, and I just kind of go, yeah, not really, not really. So we're going to put together the definitive. See, that's the difference, the definitive Mount Rushmore for each division because, obviously, if North Star says it, it it's correct. So we'll be doing that. We'll probably start with heavyweight, like I said, and work our way down. Uh, and we'll be doing those pretty much any day where we don't have a review or a preview show, uh, just because we got a lot of time to fill with evergreen content. Uh, we will not be doing... So that Thursday show, we're going to start off by doing the all-time GOATs. So that's any division. So we're going to go just pound-for-pound pound, all-time Mount Rushmore GOATs of MMA, and then and then we'll go division by division. Um, so obviously I guess you'll know four of, uh, of the, the, the fighters that'll be on the, uh, comprehensive list, but we'll go with pound for pound first. Uh, and then this Friday, uh, maybe, maybe we'll do the heavy, heavyweight one, but I really want to talk about the welterweight division. So I think, uh, this upcoming Friday, we're probably going to do how to fix the welterweight division because, uh, as we'll, as we'll jump into in just a minute, don't want to bury the lead, um, but as we'll talk about in just a minute, you know, welterweight, it's it's kind of a hot mess, but in a, in a really good and really interesting and fun way. And, uh, you know, that might be a day for North Star to, uh, to match make. Uh, so, you know, that'll be interesting because obviously you got Burns who's jumping up in the rankings. And will we ever see the fight with Usman and Masvidal? And, and what does Leon Edwards do? This guy's only on an eight-fight win streak. And uh, you know, Colby Covington is still there. He might get the next title shot for all we know. So, uh, that, that'll be fun. So we'll, we'll probably make that a, a topic show on uh, Friday, but I figured I'd just go over the housekeeping here real quick and just let everybody know what's up and, and what the, uh, the immediate schedule looks like for, uh, North star sports. Uh, but without further ado, we'll get into this recap of, uh, UFC fight night Woodley versus Burns. And, uh, you know, well, there's no better place to start than uh, the main event where uh, Gilbert Burns defeated Tyron Woodley uh, by unanimous deci- decision, uh, 50-45, 50-44 uh, on two of the scorecards. And I just want to start off by apologizing. I just want to start off by apologizing because this was my lock of the week. I had two lock of the weeks, uh, and I'll get to my second one later, and I'm, I'm definitely going to brag about that one, but... Uh, maybe it was just my bias towards Tyron Woodley, uh, and being a major fan. Uh, but I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong on the lock of the, on the lock of the week. Obviously it wasn't that much of a lock of the week because, uh, he got 50, 44. So, so, uh, obviously it didn't go great, but went, went great if you're, if you're Burns and, um, we'll start off with a negative. We'll start off with Woodley and then we'll get to Burns. Uh, but, but for Woodley, man, I don't know. I don't know what's up with this guy, man, because, and, and again, even though he lost his last two fights very decisively, I'm not going to allow for any Tyron Woodley slander. Uh, I'm his biggest fan. This guy's the most underappreciated champion in UFC history, and that's not even up for debate. You know, this guy had four title defenses, yada, yada, yada. You've heard me talk about it, you know, ad nauseum. But, you know, Woodley's a very, very solid fighter. But, man, I, I just don't know what it is his last two fights. He just... He hasn't been on. He's he's been off the entire time. You figured losing to Usman would would, would wake him up for this fight, but uh, I guess there's a recipe for beating Woodley, and it's it's just walking him down, man. I guess that works for some fighters. 
You know, I mean, we saw uh, Colby Covington walk forward and just kind of pepper Lawler, and he just kind of shut down. You know, I was seeing some of those clips on Twitter of the highlights of how weird of a fight that was in retrospect, that main event back in, uh, that ESPN main event back in uh, August of last year with Covington and Lawler, and, you know, just watching it, and Covington's just standing right in front of him, just just throwing at 20%, just target practice, and Lawler's just kind of moving back and forth, and it was it was really just a drowning, just a drowning. So, I mean, I guess that works for some fighters. You know, I wasn't completely sold on on Gilbert Burns uh, coming into this fight. I mean, I, I knew he was a very good fighter, obviously, but, you know, Wood, Woodley, I mean, him beating Woodley really says something to me, just like him beating Maya really said something to me, and... Uh, Man, just a dominant performance from start to finish. Had the 10-8 in my mind in the first round and in two of the judges' minds in the first round. And Woodley never really got it going. You know, and it, and it, it harkens me back to, a, to a, uh, a, uh, a quote that Dana White had about Tyron Woodley, uh, I think after the Damian Maya fight, where, you know, you go... And, and again, I sided with Tyron Woodley in the whole Damian Maya fight thing. Like, 80% of that was Damian Maya's fault. Like, that's just his style. It's really boring. What is Tyron going to do? Like, he blew out his shoulder. But, you know, Danny made a good point where, you know, if you could just control this guy with a controller, like, this guy's unstoppable. And I always say it, you know, Woodley, when he's on, he's unbeatable. You know, 100% of the time he he, he wins, he wins. But, um, you know, he, he's just, man, he's got great res- great wrestling. He's got that that piston of a right hand that he, that he just murked. Josh Koscheck with that he took the belt from Lawler with but like you know and he was throwing some some leather in rounds three four and five but he just wasn't really hitting and uh man it's just kind of surreal to see what's happened to him but you know again let's not let's not forget you know he lost to Usman who's obviously the champion because he beat him and he lost to Burns who very well might be the champion next so you know he's lost to two very elite fighters so I don't want to overreact too much albeit you know, in my mind, in in both of those fights, the Usman and Burns fight, man, it's it's 50-44 in, in both of them. I mean, he's been soundly beaten. You know, I still think he murders half of the half of the top ten. But I don't know, man. Like like we're gonna find out on Friday uh, during the show. I mean, the welterweight division is so unbelievably stacked that you know, if Woodley would have beaten Burns, maybe if he if he knocked him out knocked him out in the first or second round. Yeah, he might get the next title shot versus Usman. Um, but man, you lose to Burns. And I'm going to take a look here at the uh, updated North Star Sports rankings. And I mean, like, again, man, you got Covington, Mosfidal, Edwards. Like, man, Woodley's going to have to go on a hell of a streak. Uh, <clears throat> in my mind, Woodley should t- retire. He has nothing more to prove. He already was a champion. If he wants to stay around and take some money fights, then that's fine. Although he didn't really get paid a whole lot of money for this fight, I think he got paid like two hundred grand, which, which obviously is a lot of money to to you you and me. But you know, to just get absolutely worked over, uh, you know, this guy's got plenty of other uh, things going on in, in his life. But uh, you know, Uncle Chael made a great point, and I, I was kind of feeling it before he had uh, his his video out. But you know, when you move to when you move up, I mean. Woodley probably walks around at like 205. Like Woodley's a really big guy, um, even though he's 5'9". And I don't know. I mean, we've got, Kelvin Gastelum is 5'9", and he seems to do – he holds his own in, in the middleweight division. So, you know, if Woodley went up to, to middleweight and um, 
you know, I'm just taking a look at the top five here. Like, why not rematch Darren Till? Darren Till's number four in the rankings. Uh, in my mind, Darren Till is going to need a victory before he faces Adesanya because Costa has next. And, you know, I, I'd put Whitaker and Cannoneer uh, ahead of him in my mind for, for uh, the, the, the next fight with Adesanya. So Till's going to have to fight again. Uh, oh, excuse me, that's right. The, Till's facing Whitaker, so never mind. For, forget about that. But, uh, but the point still remains. If Woodley were to go up and fight somebody in the top seven in the middleweight division, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about with Weidman. Like, it was almost, you know, already written in stone that if Weidman went up to, to 205 and got a win, like, yeah, he probably gets a title shot. You know, that's just how it works, you know, when you move up to a, a new division. Um, but I, I honestly think he should retire. But, you know, there's some interesting matchups for him at, at middleweight. Or even if he wants to stay at welterweight, there's, there's still interesting matchups but just kind of why like and they'd be, they'd be main events but I don't really know what he's what he's looking for uh but on the flip side what a what a huge victory for Gilbert Burns uh you know a career resurgence I guess the welterweight division is where uh where people come to you know revive their career I mean you look at the top 10 uh Michael Chiesa's number eight uh you know Masvidal is there and and, and Burns I moved him so I moved him from number six in the North Star rankings to number one. So Gilbert Burns, in my mind, is a number one contender. And I struggled with this question for a little bit. And North Star sports rankings are very contextual, and they're very what have you done lately. Because if we're just, like, you know what I mean? Like, otherwise, Tyron Woodley would still be the number one contender if we're going based on, you know, well, what has he done throughout his career? Well, yeah, his career has been better than Leon Edwards, but, you know, I think rankings should be should be even more so than the UFC rankings. Like, what have you done lately? Without without being too overreactive, without you know, without smoking crack before you you, you make the the rankings. But you know, in, in my mind, and I struggled with it. Uh, Covington's coming off of a loss, uh, so I, I put him ahead of him. Masvidal. I mean, he beat Nate Diaz, who in my mind is just an average fighter. Um, but I, I try not to get too biased when I'm doing these rankings. I really try to, you know, keep them how it is. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. You beat a guy, you beat a guy in Askren who didn't really have a win in the UFC. You beat Nate Diaz, okay. Uh, and again, it was, it was even tough with like Leon Edwards. Edwards has won eight fights in a row. But again, his last few fights have not been as high profile or as highly ranked as Gilbert Burns's uh, last uh, couple of fights have been. So. You know, in my mind, those wins, those recent wins matter a lot more for Gilbert Burns than they do for Edwards. So it's a really tricky cluster there from two to five. Um, so Covington stays at two. Masvidal stays at three. Edwards stays at four. Uh, Burns moves from six to one. Woodley drops from the number one contender to number five. And then Wonderboy Thompson moves from five to six. Uh, so he, he he drops down, and I, I figure you gotta put, I figure you gotta put Woodley over Thompson because he beat defended his belt twice against him, and you know his his losses, the strength of schedule of his losses are 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 pretty high. Uh, but you know Gilbert Burns, I mean this is a guy who wanted to fight uh, Woodley on on a week's notice, you know after he had that win over Damian Maya. So it wouldn't shock me at all if in July we had a fight between Usman and Burns. And that's why I'd put Burns as a favorite for for the next shot at the welterweight title. 
because this guy's game. This guy's game. You know, I love I love Colby Covington's uh, shtick. Uh, I, I think he's very interesting. I like that he gets under people's skin. It's funny to watch. But he seems like a very hard negotiator. Masvidal, I mean, he's been negotiating with Usman and, and the UFC for how long? So, you know, honestly, I'd favor I'd favor Burns. You know, and recency bias plays plays in massive. So even if you could say, oh, I think Leon Edwards should get the next title shot. Yeah, I mean, this guy hasn't fought since like almost a year. You know what I mean? Uh, which is not a knock on him, whatever, man. But you know, Burns is is super active. He's got the the recency bias, and uh, you know, in my mind, he's he's uh, you know three spots higher than than Leon Edwards. So would not shock me if. Uh, well, I guess we'll still call it International Fight Week, but I, I mean, nothing international about it. Uh, but you know, maybe around then. I mean, we, we could get the announcement pretty soon for Usman and Burns, uh, and, and it really wouldn't shock me. But uh, major win there for uh, Gilbert Burns, moving up into that number one contender spot. Um, in the co-made event, we had Augusto Sakai. Uh, he defeated Blagoy Ivanov uh, by, by split decision. Uh, this one, I'm going to be honest, I had no idea how to score this one. I just know that I don't know what the judges were thinking. So one of the judges had it 30-27 for Ivanov, and the other one had it 29-28 for Augusto Sakai. I mean, I, I guess if I was going to give it to anybody, I'd give it to Ivanov, but just, I don't know. You know, I said before the fight, this this fight would probably bring a little more clarity in the in the, excuse me, the lower parts of the heavyweight division. Honestly, not, not really. I don't even know what to make of that fight. Augusto Sakai, uh... I moved him up from 13 to 11, even off from 12 to 13. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at, at the same time, like I was starting to think. So, I I, I chose Ivanov for my pick, and I so I chose wrong. But I, I was looking at Sakai, and right before the fight, I was like, I mean, he was on a five-fight winning streak, which is pretty impressive at at heavyweight. But then again, like, well, he beat Chase Sherman. Okay, so he beat a guy that doesn't belong in the UFC. He won. He, well, I'm not gonna say robbed. I I detest the word robbed, but you know he won a split decision over Andre Arlovsky that he lost in my mind, and then he knocked out Marcin Chibura. Okay, there's no arguing with that. And then in my mind, he probably should have lost this split decision to Ivanov. So I would definitely. So and he's definitely gonna get somebody higher in the rankings because they're looking for younger blood and and all that. But like. Okay, so look at the rankings. Who's ahead of Sakai? Well, Olenek, Harris, Overeem, Volkov. Ah, Augusto Sakai, based on what I saw, is going to have a real tough time with any of those guys. So I'm uh, I'm not really sold on him uh, just yet. Uh, the right to change my mind, you know, if he does something spectacular. But uh, I don't I don't think he's anything anything super special so far in in the heavyweight division. Just kind of skates by on uh, weird weird decisions. Uh, this brings us to another fight on the main card. It was a uh, catchweight fight of 150 pounds between Billy Quarantillo and Spike Carlisle. Honestly, probably my favorite fight of the night, to be honest with you. Uh, Spike Carlisle is one of my, is slowly becoming, quickly becoming, one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. This guy is, everything about him is interesting. The alpha ginger, the, the, the bright orange hair, the, the weird... The weird, uh, as they call out his name, dance moves. I don't even know what he does. 
And then just trying to kill someone in the first 10 seconds of a fight, uh, he obviously gassed out pretty hard after that first round. But huge props to Billy Quarantillo because, well, I'm not going to say not a lot of fighters could have survived that first round, but man, it got it got a little rough in that first round. It, it really did. Like, Spike, well, I'm sure he wouldn't like this word, but he's he's possessed in that octagon. He's possessed in that octagon. Like, he he is crazy. Uh, but again, like, man, you, you fight like that, good stuff's going to happen. Like, he'll get on another main card, even if it's against a UFC newcomer. Like, you know, you, you fight like that, good things tend to happen to you. You know, ask Michelle Pajeda. So, you know, I, I don't know what a win over Spike Carlisle means for Billy Quarantillo, uh, other than he's a, a, a tough SOB, but uh, I like that. To be, And to be honest with you, I, th- I thought that should have been a draw because in my mind that's a 10-8 in the first round pretty clearly for uh, Spike Carlisle. Like he had him hurt pretty bad and then, you know, Spike kind of gassed and we had that awkward thing at the end of the first at the end of the first round where Spike Carlisle turns around with like seven seconds on the clock and just get, get just gets cold cocked in the in the side of the head. Uh, so that's another interesting aspect to Spike Carlisle. But in my mind, that's a draw. They should run it back. Uh, obviously the judges felt, uh, felt differently, but, um, that was, that was a 10, eight in the first round and, and, uh, two 10 nines for, for Billy Q. So, um, unfortunate for Spike Carlisle. Uh, the, uh, second fight here on the main card was a catch weight of 157 and a half. It was a, uh, submission, uh, by rear naked choke for Roosevelt Roberts over Brock Weaver. Uh, that fight was not close. Uh, I was telling you guys on on the pre-fight show, um, not a huge fan of Brock Weaver. I don't think he's a good fighter, and just kind of showed. Uh, and Roosevelt's a good fighter, and he's really tall and lanky and weird. And it was fun when he was when he was taunting, and you know he's he got really quick uh, hand speed. But um, I don't know, uh, Brock Weaver. It, I've not been him, and I whatever. I know he had that fight with Vargas where he. He got an illegal knee like 50 seconds in the fight, but I don't, I don't know, man. He lost that weird fight in, in, in BKFC, just kind of a brawler. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Just That guy kind of weirds me out a little bit, and, and I don't think he can fight. Uh, the main card opener, we had Mackenzie Dern beating uh, Hannah Cyphers uh, via, uh, via a submission by a knee bar. Uh, did not watch that fight. I have no idea what I was doing, but I didn't watch that fight. Uh, but good for Mackenzie Dern. That uh, I don't know what a win over Hannah Cyphers does for you. Uh, I believe this was my other lock of the week. Or was it Chukagian and Shevchenko? Ooh, man, I have to go. I might have to go back. Uh, one of these two is my lock of the week. Either way, I was correct on on both of them. So either way, one of these two was my lock of the week. But I don't pay attention to fights like this. But uh, there we go. Good for uh, Mackenzie Dern. Uh, the uh, the headliner on the prelims was a flyweight fight between Caitlin Chukagian and Antonina Shevchenko. Uh, that was not even close. That was not even close. Just absolute domination by Chukagian. Uh, unfortunately, you know what? I think this one was my lock of the week because it was because I remember thinking this was such ridiculous matchmaking. I mean, I know I know the flyweight division. Uh, on the women's side, well, and the men's side too, but on the women's side too, um, it's it's really shallow. The rankings change all the time because it's not very established, and you don't really have a lot of depth. 
But this one made no sense. You have Caitlyn Chukagian coming off of a title challenge. So she's number two in the rankings. And then Shevchenko, who's number 13. Just why? You couldn't find, you couldn't find anybody in between? Like, that, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I didn't I didn't move Chukagian up in the rankings. She, she still stays at number two because, what did you, I mean, okay, you beat the number, you beat someone who's barely ranked. I can't move you up in the rankings. And Shevchenko, I just knocked her down one spot, moved Molly McCann. She, she uh, swapped spots with Molly McCann uh, from 13 to 14. I mean, you lost, so you kind of have to get moved down the rankings, but I mean, you lost to the number two fighter in the division, so can't really penalize you that hard. It's just a really weird division to, to do rankings with. Uh, another uh, potential fight of the night in my mind was uh, Daniel Rodriguez and, and Gabriel Green. 30-27 uh, on all cards for Daniel Rodriguez, which I, I, I guess is true. Th- those, those rounds, for the most part, were pretty, especially as the fight went on. I mean, I'm not too sure about the numbers. I know Gabe Green took many left hooks upside the head, um, but that, that was a fun fight. That was a really fun fight. You know, th- this card got off to a great start and uh, pretty pretty much delivered up until the, the co-main and the, the, the main event. I mean, those were just kind of, I mean, Sakai and Ivanov was just boring in my mind and Woodley and Burns was just one-sided ass beating but um went there for Rodriguez over Green on on short notice uh again don't really know what that does for for Daniel Rodriguez I know what it does for Gabe Green because I guarantee you that guy's going to get another fight in the UFC even though he lost his UFC debut and was a short notice guy I mean he he was he was slinging he was slinging and he was a live dog because he definitely could have beat Rodriguez if he just connected a couple of punches uh, you know, so that, that, that was a very fun fight. Uh, we also had a light heavyweight fight between Jamal Hill and Clidson Abreu. Uh, that was a first round TKO for Jamal Hill. Uh, again, like I said, wasn't too impressed by Abreu in his last couple of fights. And, uh, Jamal Hill is definitely somebody to watch out for at light heavyweight. Um, great, great size, great length, obviously great power and, and speed. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what he can do. Uh, I don't want to get too high on some of these guys because whenever I get too high on some of these light heavyweight prospects, it, it tends to not work out great for me. Um, but that, w- that was a very interesting fight. And, you know, a couple of more fights, and he, he might make it into the North Star uh, light heavyweight rankings because, you know, looking at looking at number 11 to 15, I don't know, man. It's pretty under- pretty interchangeable, pretty interchangeable. So, uh, you know, but it's always good to see man, you never want to go overboard, and I, I've fallen down that trap before, but it's always good to see, like, oh, wow, that guy really could be the next big thing type of talent, and I think that's what we saw with uh, Jamal Hill, you know, even if it's just a guy like Clinton Abreu, um, I, I think I think there's there's something special about Hill, and, I mean, the light heavyweight division is kind of making a resurgence, uh, it, it's more interesting, but, you know, the people who are making the light heavyweight division more interesting are kind of old, you know what I mean? Like, Tiago Santos went to that split decision with John Jones. I mean, he's like 37, coming off of a catastrophic knee injury. Blahovich is like 37. Teixeira is like 41 or 40. Um, you know what I mean? Like, Anderson's 
probably the youngest guy in the in that top ten besides besides Rakic. So you know it's always good to see young blood in in a division. Uh, we had a flyweight fight also on the prelims. It was Brandon Royville, the former LFA flyweight champion, beating Tim Elliott. Uh, that was a that was a fast paced fight. Uh, Tim Elliott kind of gassed out, and uh, that was the only fight I got wrong on the prelims. So that one sucks. That one hurts because I I picked Brandon Royville on the show, and then I waffled, and then I went with Tim Elliott. And then Tim Elliott almost gets the job done and then gasses out and gets choked out by Brandon Royville. So that one hurts because I, I got it right and I I don't know what it was. Just siding with a veteran, I, I got it wrong. So that one stinks. And again, I should have chose Brandon Royville. His nickname is The Raw Dog. Ah, that, ah, that one sucks. That one sucks. Um... Second fight here on the prelims, a bantamweight fight between Casey Kenny and Lewis Swolka. Quick uh, guillotine choke for Casey Kenny. Really quick guillotine choke. It was like four seconds and he choked out Lewis Smolka. Uh, Casey Kenny, he, he's a little bit of a, a... Well, he's not even ranked, so I'm not going to say dark horse at bantamweight. But I, I've been really impressed by him, even if he hasn't fought uh, necessarily the highest ranked guys. I've been really impressed by Casey Kenny. You know, this was a guy who's a little bit too big for for flyweight. He was a former LFA flyweight champion, and comes to the UFC. He he beats Ray Borg. That's when I first heard of him, and then he beats Manny Bermudez uh, at bantamweight. And Manny Bermudez is a is a pretty big. Well, evidently he's so big of a, a, a bantamweight that he came in at 140 pounds. So you know you had the Bermudez trial uh, triangle coming in there, and. Um, you know, severely outweighing Casey Kenny, and he still won. Had a tough fight with Murab Devalishvili. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've been impressed by Casey Kenny. Uh, he's probably still a little a little bit out when it comes to getting ranked in, in, in the North Star Bantamweight division. But, um, I don't know, that's that's definitely somebody to, to, to watch out for. Especially, I don't know if he ever has any interest in going back down to flyweight, but... I mean, Casey Kenny drops down to flyweight. He probably could face anybody in the top 10 just because it's so weird. It's so weird and fluent with, with the rankings because nobody's, you know, they killed the division essentially like a year ago and now they're just bringing it back and now they don't have a champ. So uh, I don't really, I, I don't really know his whole weight situation. Uh, and then the prelim opener was a fight between uh, Chris Gutierrez and Vince Morales. Uh, that one was uh, an absolute butt whooping not even close v- vicious leg kicks that guy Vince Morales's legs looked like uh like a, a Johnsonville brat that you left in the in the microwave for a little bit too long just just a little bit too just to where the the skin starts to blister I mean his, his legs looked really bad that's it was something like one of seven uh TKOs by leg kicks in the UFC um so Interesting fight for Morales. I picked Gutierrez because he had two wins. He was two and one, and Morales is one and two. I mean, Morales could get cut. Gutierrez, good for him. Uh, good for me. Uh, what was it? I was a uh, seven, seven of eleven on my fight prediction. So, you know, like I said, we're really honing it in. You know, we had that that really great showing uh, where we got we got. Uh, 11 of 12 correct on the last card. 
So we're, we're regressing back to the mean a little bit, but, you know, listen, like, my, my predicting at UFC 249 was just embarrassing, but every show we're getting better. We took a little dip, but hey, 7 out of 11, that's not bad. You know, I mean, we're, we're still picking, like, two-thirds of the, the fights correct, so, um, you know, North Star's really honing it in here. We're really figuring out, uh, you know, our fight-picking skills post post-quarantine, post-UFC shutdown for for that uh, extended period of time. Uh, so like I said, uh, we'll, we'll uh, very quickly recap what I was talking about with uh, the housekeeping. So tomorrow on Wednesday, we'll have the preview show for UFC 250. Thursday, we'll have the all-time GOATS pound for pound. Uh, Friday, we're going to have how to fix the welterweight division or maybe heavyweight uh, goats, the heavyweight, heavyweight Mount Rushmore. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. And you can follow our new website at NorthStarSports.media. That's NorthStarSports.media. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.